I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. G'day and welcome to the Farms Vice Podcast with your host, Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the Farms Vice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farms Vice and let's get into this episode. Welcome to this special Sunday episode. We've been pretty busy on farm down in Canberra flirting with a couple of politicians and also we've had a bit of trouble with farm internet. So we're getting this podcast away and a little bit timely for some of those out there. Some of those have already finished planning for this seeding. Seeding, whatever you may want to call it. We'll be having Gavin O'Brien from CNH Industrial. He is the CNH Seeding and Tillage Territory Manager for New South Wales and Queensland. So he actually works across Flexicoil and Horwood Bagshaw Range, so he's pretty well equipped for you to get the most out of your sowing and some pre-work recommendations. So he actually grew up working in the Riverina dealing with fat lambs and then went on to managing farms and he pulls a few similarities coming into the world of machinery and how that works with farmers. So he's had Fair bit of experience both on farm and then now dealing with the farmers themselves. So let's get into this episode. Gav O'Brien, welcome to the Farms Vice podcast. Great to have you on the podcast today. Very cool and wet where we are, probably in the Central West. Are you still classified as the Central West there? Yeah, thanks, thanks, Jack. Yeah, it's great to be here. Um, yeah, we are. We're sort of tablelands, I guess. Yep. Um, Central Western tablelands. 
of New South Wales. That's it. Well, Gab, mate, thanks for coming on today. Let's talk a little bit about your role, your background, and how you got started within working in agriculture and how it's led you to your role now with CNH. Yeah, um, well, I'm from a farming family, um, more from the livestock side. Um, Good side. Yeah, so I've um, had plenty to do with beef cattle and that yep. side of things. Um, but it does sort of go hand in hand, you know, the better you your crop programs are, your hay programs or your or your feeding program, the better your beef on operation is. So um, definitely some people are really good at feeding cattle. Some people are really good at growing grass. So yeah, uh, it's just the way I sort of got involved on the beef side of things. Um, more so concentrated on the seed stock side of things with bulls and stud cattle. Yeah. Um, but out of high school, I worked on mixed farming places down around June 8 area, Riverina, um, fat lambs, that sort of thing, and then progressed through to managing farms and that sort of thing, and then got the opportunity to come across into the machinery world, which is surprisingly similar to um, you're providing a product and you're providing after-sale support and technical backup and a lot of it's very similar. So it's been a good change to keep me fresh as well. Yeah, I could imagine then you're probably building on more relationships at the moment though with other farmers rather than being the farmer yourself. Yeah, it's, um, I sort of like to describe, I sort of wear three hats. I've got the, the farmer's hat on or the producer's hat on, I've got the dealer's hat on and I've also got the manufacturer's hat on. So it sort of gives you a lot of, different angles to consider when you go into talking to people and building relationships. I'm more concentrated on looking after the dealers and making sure that they've got everything they need, but there's nothing better than, you know, getting on farm and seeing it firsthand. Exactly. And what's your role? You're the territory manager for which regions? So I'm, I work for CNH, as you said. Um, so I do seeding and tillage for Queensland and New South Wales. Yep. Yep. Quite like diverse in terms of region and farming land. Um, yeah. From yeah, no. like soil wise, especially. Yeah, no, it is. It's there's a lot of variation um, through that area. Um, a lot of different enterprises as well, um, and. It's sort of it's good that I've got that that, that grazing side of things yeah. is central to my territory too. So yeah, exactly. I nearly think the majority of Australian farms is mixed farming and how we can improve one enterprise of our farm and lift that up. So we may not be croppers, um, but we want to improve our crop and how can we do that? Talking and learning from the expertise of what you've learned over your lifetime as well. But Let's get into the agribusiness side of what this podcast is and getting the most out of your sowing for 2022. So a lot of people have probably already put their crop in if it hadn't been too wet for them or they're still waiting and or the halfway through or something like that. Preparing for sowing for this year's, this season, what's involved and how can we get the best strike out of it for whatever crop we put in? Yeah, look, I I think... um... It's the same with everything. It's it's all about your preparation. Yeah. Um, 
and it didn't just happen this season. You know, it's it's decisions that have been made over the, you know, probably the last five or ten years that affect your your job this week. So um, I'm a big fan of finding out what are you trying to fix uh, through soil tests and even pit tests to see if you've got a a pan there or a you know oversupply of a certain fertilising, like a fertiliser rate that's too high in your, in your country. or So find out what you're dealing with and then investigate ways to, to fix that. Yeah, I think coming off the back of like a pretty severe droughts throughout your region um, and coming into this season, we've got some good water there, some moisture in our soils. Um, just whether or not we can get that crop in and actually yeah. how that can help. But for yourself, like preparing for sowing, how vital is it getting our soils right and even knowing what our soils are capable of that season through these deep pit tests or just a quick soil test on the top soil? How can that benefit us? Well, I think the soil test will give you a picture of what you can't see. It'll 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 influence what fertilizers you need to use. It'll probably influence decisions on what species of crop you're going to grow. Um, it'll also influence um, you know whether there's a need for a rotation here because um, and you and you may you may find that you know over the history of farming we've had a a high incidence of going back to the well and doing the same thing year in, year out. And, and that in turn may have created an unknown issue or underlying issue there. Yep. So I think soil tests across a paddock or across a farm um, are probably money well spent considering fertilizer so high um, in price and availability is hard to get as well. So I think being very sure that you're putting on what's required or not over applying um, is is key to probably your bottom line. Yeah, definitely. And like moving into pre-work recommendations, what what should how can we know what is best for our own soils? You know, every every sort of scenario is going to be different right across your Queensland and New South Wales territory yeah. that you manage. How can we get the best out of this throughout pre-work recommendations. Yeah, all right. Well, so again, I'd, I'd look at what sort of enterprise you're running. Yep. And um, I'll use an extreme example. You wouldn't spray out all your country and bring it in in one year if, you've, if you're running a mixed enterprise because obviously you just won't have anywhere to stand your stock. Um, there might be some underperforming paddocks within there. There might be some paddocks that are prone to waterlogging. There might be some paddocks that have a history of disease or um, some incidents like rust or something like that. And you might want to consider having a rotation program implemented if you don't already have one. You might even need to look at your rotation program and say, is this actually working? So I'd start with the plan. I'd start and then I'd move on to FERT tests. Then I'd, I'd probably have a look and and see if I do have a pan issue, a panning issue. And from, from the results of those checks, that'll influence what you do going forward. 
Yeah, I think like what you spoke about before, of it's not just what you do now, it's the last five, 10 years of how your soil reacts with different ways of working and how we can get the best out of sowing for 2022. I think like a lot of people love harvest time, but I think the best work's done in your sowing, of course, and getting the most out of your paddock and what that means as a mixed farmer, or if you're just purely broad acre and you don't even have any fences um, of what you can do and just keeping consistent probably is one of the biggest things within farming. Yeah. And, and the other thing that, you know, is, is relatively cheap. If you were a mixed farming enterprise, varying crops, livestock and whatnot, just get along to some of those open days and, and demonstration days on people that concentrate on a certain aspect. You know, like you might have a really smart grain grower, for example, and you might be able to pull two or three things out that he does, and that may help you remarkably in your program as a mixed enterprise by just going to someone who that is his bread and butter and then vice versa a guy who is a broad acre cropping guy that um year in year out he might learn something about you know improving his soil structure or raising humus in soil or that sort of thing to sustain his operation going forward he may learn the other way so i think sharing of knowledge is absolute key yeah, I think, and also one of the biggest limiting factors of agriculture, I think, and half the reason why the podcast started. But yeah, I think there's a great recommendation to get along to these days where you can learn off those expertise that only do focus on broad acre cropping and how that can play out into your own mixed farm enterprise. We're a mixed farm ourselves, and we're always looking to see what the best croppers are doing, how we can do it. Um, even if it's just for fodder as well as a farmer. Yeah, 100%. So these guys are, you know, quite often they're making a living off country that's marginal for rainfall. Um, cards are stacked against them, but year in, year out, they're, they're doing very well with what they've got. Uh, and if you can implement some of their strategies, um, it, it really could benefit you. The enterprise save you a lot of money and... I'm all about making sure the country's better in 20 years' time than it, than it is today. Um, land, cost of land's through the roof. You can't just go and add another 2,000 acres easily anymore. Um, so I think you've really got to look after what you've got sustainably. We're always looking to see how we can optimise every square inch of our property, whether you've got 5,000 acres or 100,000 acres. We want to make the most of it and see without um, putting our land through too much stress, we want to give back to our soils as well. So we've got yeah. some potential for next year coming in. But yeah. For farmers out there, mixed farms, broad acre, what are some of the biggest mistakes when it comes to planting and getting the crop in? Um, biggest mistakes would be probably going too early. Um, you know, it's pretty easy to drive down the road and see someone sowing and or seeding, or depending where you're from. Go, oh gee, we better get into it, and you get end up with a false strike. Um, that's probably one thing you see a bit. People go a bit early. Um, I think we really got to 
have a look at your environmental conditions and work within those constraints. Yep. Um, probably to add to that, um, certain species just go better in certain areas. Yeah. And if you're going to try something new, I'd try it on a smaller scale. Yeah, just sort of single out a paddock that might be applicable to a new variety or species. Um, yeah. And you never know your yield might improve and per hectare is what we want to improve. On yeah, that's right. Off at harvest time. I See, I'm... I think um, utilising tools at your disposal, such as your, your agronomist. Yeah. You know I mean? that, that is his bread and butter to, or her um, bread and butter to know um, what you need, what's probably likely to work. Um, I'd really take on board what, what they do um, or what they recommend and go from there. Yes, yeah, certainly. And for farmers... What challenges are they facing when it comes to seeding and tillage that you've experienced like when you're out and about there managing your territory? Yeah, look, this year, obviously, just so wet and just getting over the ground. I know people who sowed early, um, trying to get ahead of it, uh, which is, you know, you can't blame them. They're probably in a situation where a fair bit of that crop's damaged and they're going to have to go back and have another go at it if they can get on it. So um, environmental challenges this year. Um, it's always seems too dry or too wet. You know, it's a bugger of a game farming. But this year in particular through my area, you know, you've got crops that haven't been haven't even come off yet, cotton crops, um, not even sure if they can get on it. And then they're turning around and sowing canola on the same day. So it's a, an odd time. I do know that I'd prefer mud over those two or three seasons we had two or three years ago. Um, but it's challenging in a different way. Um, other big constraints is just availability of staff yeah. and, and components, spare parts. I mean, if there was ever a time to make sure that you are keeping spares on the shelf or making sure your dealers keeping stock of parts, it's now because the delays are huge. And I don't know if that's COVID or um, just the worldwide demand or, or just I'm not 100% sure what's contributing to it, but it is unprecedented right now. Well, there has been a lot of things thrown into the mix, hasn't there, with like the war breaking out in Ukraine has put impact onto wheat growers right across the world and now people are needing more supplies products and service and maintenance of their machines yeah and With i think it can, racing as well yeah and i think in conjunction you know we talked about those two or three years that were absolutely devastating droughts a lot of people hung on to gear because they just didn't have the spare cash and they yeah. just one more year out of it or they just got you know they were really just trying to limp some aging equipment through and then they've got into a situation now where they've got rainfall, they've got high commodity prices, both lambs through the roof. They're, they're forced to need to spend some money and um, and it's a great opportunity to upgrade plant, but everyone's doing it is the problem. Yeah. You know, we actually upgraded it. We've got auto steer for this year, but we haven't been able to get a crop on at all um, just to 
lift our efficiencies in at planning time for us. Um, but it's too wet, so we haven't been able to get on and actually use it like a lot of other people. Maybe they have upgraded uh, machinery or just technology on or in the tractor. Um, very similar story out there as well. Yeah, and and I guess the other thing too is, you know, if I if I rewind back to twenty odd years ago, the risk of sounding like I'm getting on a bit, you know, tractors are huge now compared to what they were. Um, you know, 150 horsepower tractor was quite a big tractor back in the back in those times, and now that it's dime a dozen. 250, 300 odd horsepower tractors. So you can pull bigger gear. So a lot of people have upgraded to increase efficiency, take take advantage of small windows of opportunity for moisture and, and ideal sowing conditions. So the gear's got bigger, they've upgraded that way to get over it quicker, less staff so they can do more with bigger machines or more efficient machines. So it's all contributing, I think. Yes, yeah, certainly. And I think, there are a few people out there also looking to downgrade, I thought, especially we have this new autonomous workings. They're looking to have more machinery, but smaller ones of them um, and how that will play out. And the technology within your realms of CNH and what's available to farmers currently, what's the like, greatest opportunities with working with technology um, currently, but also in the future? Oh, I think the sky's the limit with technology. Yeah. It's it's just just changed so fast. Um, just trying to keep up with the latest software is a challenge in itself, and you know that puts pressure on me as a territory manager. It puts pressure on dealers to be up to speed, um, and you know farmers are a very savvy group in general. Um, they wear an awful lot of hats. Um, you know, one day they're a vet, next day they're a soil scientist, and next day they're a mechanic so it, it's challenging to stay ahead of that to provide great service yeah. um, so I guess the big advantage of having a, 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 a um, corporate type company is we've got a lot of resources to to help with um, filling those voids um, but yeah I to get back to your point there about people actually downsizing I think that is correct in some instances. I've got friends that were running 80 foot machines, 120 foot machines, sowing an awful lot of country, and they've actually come back to 60s, running more of them because breakdowns or unable to procure parts. Yeah. They've still got two machines running if they've got a problem when they're, you know, whereas before, if they had a problem with a big machine, there was a big problem because nothing was being. So, yeah, yeah, it can play out like that, and whatever your sort of scenario is, is how you're gonna run your own place. Whether you need or want to have smaller or larger equipment for that, but technology within CNH, what's what's currently going on, and what what are you looking at for farmers to improve efficiencies and productivity? A lot of people are going down to single screens and collecting of data, what and how is CNH enabling farmers to utilise data for prepping for their crops or for harvest time as well? Yeah, look, I think um, we're really trying to simplify the 
how fast technology is moving. So as you said, we're trying to incorporate more technology into um, into single screens. Um, I was we had a we had a meeting here yesterday, which was also involved a demonstration of an autonomous sprayer and. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of high-level stuff happening, and it's amazing how fast the wheel turns. You know, I looked at something there yesterday that was, you know, seemed like something out of Star Wars. Aliens, yeah. But the reality is that machine could be in a paddock inside 18 months. Yeah. And it's just that fast. So um, How big was that sprayer? You know? It was only a small demonstration one, but, yeah. you know, um, scaled. But... It was crazy how accurate it was with GPS and, um, you know, the ability to vary rates on the run. Just crazy, crazy um, how smart these machines are becoming. Yeah, I think all farmers would love to be sitting here doing a podcast and I've got the spray rig going out the back as we speak and then sort of... <laughs> two jobs at once being two places at once as well. Um, that's the farmer's dream. I think trying to get more labor on by utilizing autonomous vehicles and how that plays out. I don't know about you, but like as a farmer, it's pretty exciting to see what possibilities are for utilizing new machinery and what that can mean in the next 10 years, especially with this labor shortage that we're seeing where we need bums in seats to actually get the crop in. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's sort of, I sort of, I'm in two minds on it because I think it's sad that we're probably losing a bit of that manpower in the paddock. And, you know, farming in general can be a little bit of a lonely existence. You know, you're you're a sole trader. And I mean, if if you've got all those machines around you that do it, you still don't get that, um, you know, interaction with people. I think that's still important. I don't think technology can replace, you know, that, that sense of achievement within a group. No, certainly not. But I think like once that does come around and everyone's sort of adopted it, it's going to open up new roles. You're going to have to have someone to fill up that spray rig or tractor, whatever it may be with seed. I don't think they're going to be filling up themselves. Um, And like probably analyzing the data of what's coming up with that variability. Is it working? Is it not? Um, and just liaising with your tools, like what you said with agronomists will probably have an impact on what your autonomous spray rigs are doing in the future. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, look, at, and as you say, a door closes, another opens. There's always opportunities. And and I think, you know, maybe, maybe it's um, technical and, shiny enough to attract people back to the agricultural industry um you know that that stimulation of operating something that's fairly complex but but behind the scenes um might really suit some people to come back into agriculture yes certainly looking at like different realms of it but for yourself what what are you most excited about in the next five to ten years um with the progression of where machinery is currently and how it can actually help farmers on the ground? Oh, just the increases in efficiency um, and the care of the soil. Um, that these, these machines, you know, I've, I've been playing with a, a precision seeding rig here, um, which is 
basically parabolic ground following. Yep. Um, just the job it does to the soil. Um, the, it's almost like it's caring for the dirt, um, which I think is great. You know, you go back to the old one-way players and, you know, it was very much like you're forcing it into it, whereas this is a bit like it's working with what you've got. So um, I, I think the realisation of farmers and that they've really got to look after their countries sustainably for future generations um, is pretty exciting. You know, they've all embraced that, that yep. change, minimising the amount of chemical they're using. Um, you know, inputs are probably shrinking and outputs are, are going up by change of varieties, those sort of things. So I think just the efficiency of the whole thing is it could be, you know, it's pretty exciting to see where that might be in 10 years' time. Yeah, I think so. And even doubling that into 20 years as well, what's going to be happening by then, we've seen some pretty good progress in the last five years. So imagine four times that, what's going to be happening. Um, But I see like everyone's looking to make it better for the next generation, but I think there's a lot of work to be done that we can make it better for our own generation and how that can really start to improve rather than setting our sights a bit further away. We can start to take action today and see how it all happens. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's people really focused on, on their efficiency, their inputs, their outputs, just trying to streamline their operations, more bang for their buck. And if that means, introducing technology to improve, um, you know, day-to-day operations. I mean, farming's a hard game. Um, I know my dad's back's buggered and um, shoulders are not real good and knees are buggered. And um, but if you can make your day a little bit easier by embracing some technology, I think it's a great thing. Yeah, I think so. And you don't need to revolutionise your own farm and, see how you can break the technology records out in the paddock. We're just seeing one element that works for you, take away an element we've discussed on today's episode and just see how you can work it into your own operation and different enterprises. Um, yeah. And you might even surprise yourself. Yeah, that's it. Now, I'm, I'll just reinforce that. Use the tools that are available for you. Yep. Get out. Um, I use the term barn blind because you do spend a lot of time at home and you know if you can get out and see some other places take the opportunity to you know you might not even know why you're going but you'll get something out of it that you can implement back at home yeah 100% I couldn't recommend people to get along to little field days or just a farmer meet up to see what others are doing in your district or even outside of your district sector um, and how that can improve your farm. But Gav, for yourself, what would be one piece of farms advice you'd pass on to a young, older, in the middle um, to get the most out of their sowing that they can take away and just sort of think about or even implement into their farm? Yeah. um, Well, I'm not sure... I'm not sure if I can answer that straight up, but if I were a young guy, I'd be looking over the fence. Yep. 
if you like the operation that you drive past when you go to town and you're like, their crops are always good, you know, everything's always right, I'd go and ask some questions and ask them if they'd help you. And most people are pretty proud and they'll show you. So they'll show you what they do. They'd, they'd like to help you, I think. So, and the same the same goes for an, an older generation farmer. You might you might be saying, well, you know, I'm going all right, but I could go better. Um, you know, maybe maybe go and have a look at some other enterprises and just see what what advice they have. Maybe something you can implement. Yeah, definitely. And I think like looking over the paddock, people sort of worry about, oh, they going to think that I'm not doing the right job or whatever. But I think if you tell a farmer their crops look unreal, I think they're more inclined to have have a go at letting you in and seeing like what your trade secrets are and see yeah. how that can play out in your own scenario. I'd be pretty yeah. wrapped if someone said I had some cracking crops. Yeah, well, look, I didn't, I'm lucky. Every day I get to go on farm or talk to some pretty smart operators and – I always learn something from them. And the only way I'll do that is by doing that and asking some questions. You know, I might look at, you know, a time configuration under a machine or something and say, that looks crazy to me. What is going on here? And then you talk to the guy and you say, well, what's going on here? And he goes, oh, well, I've got too much sand and not enough clay. So I'm trying to lift, lift clay, drop sand down. I'm trying to whatever, because I'm trying to change the soil composition of, of my dirt or um, whatever it is. And it, if I just looked at that machine and, and thought, geez, that looks crazy, I'd walk away thinking that guy was crazy. But by asking a couple of questions, I can go, oh, geez, that's a pretty good idea. Actually, I'm, I know another guy in that situation who's got that problem, so I'm going to be able to suggest to him, um, have you ever thought about doing this? So I think it's sharing of knowledge. Yeah. Um, and um, that makes a big difference. We're all in the same game. We're, we're feeding the world, so... Yeah, it needs to be transparent and how we can get that. I think farmers are pretty keen to share what's going on with their own farm. If you're intrigued by how well their crops have done year on year, passing their paddocks at the front gate there, um, they'd be nothing more than happy to show you around and even see what sort of machinery they're running to get that crop in and make it the best they can. Yeah, that's right. And There's plenty of crops grown by older machines that do a beautiful job and and, and what that is is probably a, a, a very good maintenance schedule um, and, they, and they probably know their machines inside out. So I'd, I'd certainly, if you like the look of something as you're driving past, make some time one day, make it, just phone them up, just say, hey, I've been admiring your setup, admiring your crops. Can I have, come and have a chat to you about it, what you're doing? Yeah, I've actually got a few on my hit list when I used to drive to university. Um, there's a few farms here I'd like to pull in and have a yarn to, so I might have to do that myself. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's good. And a lot of it will be timing and yep. ability to road weather um, and and just understanding their, their own soil types, that type of thing, what they can and can't get away with, I think probably has a lot to do with it. The ability to go when they need to go. Yeah. And... Um, that they're probably setting themselves up to succeed. Um, so I think that's that's probably number one. Absolutely. And a great recommendation and piece of farms advice there, Gavin. Mate, thanks for coming on to the Farms Wise podcast. 
giving out your expertise. You cover a fair bit of dirt right across like the east coast of Australia, Queensland and New South Wales. So I'd imagine your experiences will help out a few farmers tuning in today. Yeah, no, excellent. Thanks for the opportunity to have a chat and um, yeah, reach out if you if you need to. Absolutely. So for anyone else out there, we ask the guests who they would like to have on the Farms Advice podcast and why. Uh, who would I like to have? Yeah. Um, I work with a guy in Western Australia that's very talented about air seeders and and setting up those DBS type machines. Um, his name's Brad Gray, and um, Brad would be a really good one to speak to, I would imagine. Beautiful. He's now on our radar. He might have been <laughs> listening, you never know. Um, but yeah, yeah, keen for that one. I'm always keen to get some more people from the West Coast just to mix it up yeah. a little bit, as my network's not that way, but it is growing now. But Thanks for that recommendation. For anyone looking to get in touch with you or the team, how can we do so? And do you have a best social media handle? Um, look, I, I think you'd, you'd probably get onto me through the the case by H Australia Facebook page. Um, the marketing team there would certainly put me in touch with any inquiries. Yep. Um, if you ever want to if anyone wanted to catch up and see what I thought or have a look at their op- operation, just go to your local case dealership or New Holland dealership. I'm sure that I could um, be, be made available on the seeding and tillage side um, and happy to happy to pass on some recommendations or put you in touch with someone who can help you on certain topics. 100% what it's all about. Um... But also, thanks for coming on the podcast. Grateful to have you on and share your expertise and pass on a little bit of farm advice to that next farmer. Excellent. Thanks, Jack, for the opportunity. Thank you for tuning in to the Farms Advice podcast. It is produced by Advert Your Eyes Digital, the agribusiness marketing specialist. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more information on this episode and the others before and spread the farm's advice. If you love this episode, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe as it helps other farmers find us too. But until then, next Tuesday, keep on farming. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farms Advice podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country for Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 